0: You really believe that God said, I will come into you. I'll be your God. You'll be my children. You're going to become my address on the earth. The Holy Spirit resides in you, not just to be your comforter, but he is there to demonstrate himself through you. it wonderful to be together today, yes. to be alive, to be privileged, to walk with the Lord and serve the Lord. We're so thankful for this church and uh, for your support and your love all these years. And every time we come down here, we just, oh, such a wonderful place to live, such a beautiful area. And uh, we took a little different route uh, uh, Coming from River Falls, we had to go to River Falls to look at something and took a little different route over here and it was just so beautiful crossing that, those hills and cornfields and, and it, it's just a wonderful place. How many are thankful that the Lord put you here yes. Amen. instead of where we live? <laughs> Amen. Well, what a responsibility we have this morning. I know you have uh, one of the greatest pastors in the whole country. And what a responsibility it is for me to stand here on his behalf and to address such a dignified body. The reason I wanted to come down here is because I'm among so so many dignified people that the Bible says to take the lower seat, you know, and I can't get much lower than this right now. But I do appreciate you people and your testimony and your witness. I want you to know that your life counts. Black people's lives counts. Policemen and officers' lives count. And your life counts. You never really understand how much your life really does count and how important you are to the kingdom of God and to the purpose of God and the plan of God. And uh, I don't want you to ever ask to estimate the power that's in you. We see so much going on in the world today. You know, when I was a boy, if an earthquake took place, it took three to eight months for us to hear about it. I'm serious. The well, only thing we had is battery radio, and it crackled. If you got the news, you may miss them. You know, it crackled and static and everything. And... Then the newspapers come out, you know, well, uh, seven months ago there was an earthquake in China someplace. Today, the instant things are happening. Someplace, there's some way of communication that you can find out something just happened momentarily. The problem is there's an escalation of crisis and perilous events that are taking place momentarily, not, not just daily, but momentarily, all over the world people are suffering all over the world and because it doesn't affect us many times well we, we think it's really not that important but we are a part of the whole world right now more than we ever have been before and we are privileged although it's somewhat fearful for some people to live in a day when prophecy is being fulfilled every day before us and it's time as Laurie mentioned, time to wake up. Not only for everybody else, but for, for me, it's time for me to wake up. So I'd like to have you turn your Bibles to some scripture this morning. First of all, I want to turn to Acts chapter 28. And I'd like to read the last two verses. Yes, the last two verses of this uh, this wonderful... Discourse, Acts chapter 28, verse 30 through 31. This may seem like a strange setting for what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. Then Paul, how many's ever heard of him? Okay, Paul dwelt two whole years, excuse me. This guy was traveling so much for him to spend two years in one place was quite an amazing thing. But he dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. I'm sure that all of you here have read the New Testament. You've not only read the four Gospels, but you've read the epistles. The epistles. Most of the epistles were written by Paul. And I wonder if you've ever observed that sometimes the greetings were at the was at the end of the letter, not at the beginning. We say, "Dear Joe," "Dear, dear Bob," and dear mary a lot of times the greetings like the last chapter of romans in fact paul gives a list of i think 30 some people that he gives greetings to and then all of his epistles are finally signed with the statement "Amen." man that means it's complete it's ended this is the this is the finality of the words that I have to speak to you at this moment. But if you notice in the book of Acts, there's no final greetings. There's no amen. What's going on here? Paul says, I mean, the writer, who is Luke, and he's a very educated man. I don't think he made a mistake and, and uh, you know, something else took his attention away from finishing this book and realized suddenly, you know, I, I left those people hanging, and I didn't finish this book. I didn't finish this letter, this discourse. No, it's intentional. He intentionally did not write amen. He intentionally did not say, this is the end, because there is no end to the Acts. They're called the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I like to call it the Activity of the Holy Spirit, because there's no end to the Activity of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, Paul himself had been imprisoned, he'd been set free, he does not take off on another journey to Spain or someplace else. He lives in his own rented house for two full years. And then suddenly, we don't hear his name mentioned any longer because Paul is arrested. And in 68, between 68 and 67 AD, he's executed by Nero. He is beheaded, that's what history tells us, all of his blood flows out, and now there's this letter that's unfinished. Well, who's going to finish this letter? I was thinking on the way down here, years and years ago, for years and years and years, I used to like to turn on the radio and find a certain person that was speaking that spoke every day, his name was Paul Harvey. And he always had the rest of the story. How many remember that? The rest of the story. So you and I are writing the rest of the story. We are the people that are completing this book. With one slash of the sword, Paul's head fell to the ground. Now, it's interesting that the word witness, Jesus said to his disciples in Luke, the last chapter, you shall be witnesses. You are witnesses of all these things. And you and I are called witnesses. You shall receive power. That the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. There's no difference in the Bible between the word witness For somebody that is standing before a court or before a group of people and declaring the truth, then the person that's referred to in Revelation 6 and Revelation 19, they are called martyrs. There's no difference between a witness and a martyr. It's all the same Greek word. The truth is that we that are alive today, Some of you have been Christians probably, maybe not quite as long as I have, but you've been Christians 30, 40 years. Every drop of your blood, as you live out your lifestyle, you live out your testimony, day by day, you're giving your drops of blood, not in just one movement of a sword or a gun put to you, or starving you to death, or beating you to death, you're giving up your life one drop at a time. Some people give theirs in one instant. I remember a few years ago when I went to an eastern country, and I was teaching in two Bible schools. One Bible school had 110 students, one Bible school had 130 students. And... uh, when I arrived at that Bible school, I never met a group of young people like this before in my life. Every one of them had come to that Bible school with the intention that at one time, when they finished their education, became minister of the gospel, they were going to go into the nations near them, and they were proud to say, I want to be a martyr for Jesus. Now, they wasn't just talking about living out a lifestyle that ended at the age of 80, 85 years after preaching the gospel. They was talking about actually laying down their life. They expected that to happen. Now, in this country, we've been very, very fortunate up to this point. Very few people have lived, given their life as a martyr, what we'd call a martyr, for the Lord Jesus Christ, but the truth is, this book of Acts, the activity of the Holy Spirit is going on, think of it, there's been millions, millions, literally millions, maybe even billions, possibly even more than that, of activities of the Holy Spirit Miracles that were just as dynamic as the ones that were listed all throughout the 28 chapters of this book, going on throughout history, the last 2,000 years, all over the world, activity of the Holy Spirit, and God himself keeps the record. We're going to be surprised when we get to heaven and we see the rest of the book of the Acts. Because men and women, just like you and I, are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to say to you, well done, Cloyce and Diane. Well done, my good and faithful servants. You never left the state of Wisconsin except for a vacation. You never went to a foreign country, but you lived out your faith. On a daily basis, your is not going to include a time when somebody chops your head off or hangs you or you're thrown in the fire or something, but every day you lived out your faith, and that's just as important. We glorify those people that have given their life through immediate death, and that I don't want to in any way make that look like a very small thing. But I think it's so important to understand that as you live out your life in Pepin, Woodville, River Falls, wherever you're from. I was talking to the lady, I get up early every morning, and I was up about 4:30 out in the lobby studying, and this lady blurry-eyed, I could tell she could hardly walk, she's so tired taking care of the motel there, and, and uh, I went and got a cup of coffee, and pretty soon she came over to you and said, are you a, mini- are you a minister? I said, yes. She said, well, I saw you over there with your Bible. And uh, so that opened the door. She, I didn't have to open the door. She, she opened the door. And she said, well, where are you a minister at? I said, well, I'm, I work with the church down in Ellsworth. I said, where do you worship? Oh, she said, I just don't agree with a lot of things that goes on in the church. You know, I said, I don't either. We agree on that. You don't? Then she began to tell me a list of things that had hurt her, and she was fed up with hypocrisy and all. You know, I said, you'd make a good preacher, you know. I see those very same things going on in the church world. But I said, how about you? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I said, it doesn't matter what religion you are. That doesn't make you a saint of God or a Christian. Anyway, I had an opportunity to to, to talk to her. And right there, I was living out the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is doing it through me, you see. And we have to understand, in this generation, the desperate need is for men and women, boys and girls, young people, who will live out their faith every day in the marketplace. Very few get a chance to stand up like I do, you know, and bore people with sermons for an hour and a half you know, and take out my vengeance on somebody else. But you can live out your faith every day as a mama with your children. The most important commission of every mother is to raise those children and give them an opportunity to grow up and know Jesus Christ and become good citizens and to serve God and worship God and know that after this life is ended, they're going to enter into the eternal glory that Jesus is prepared for all those that love him. So your life is very important. I want to talk to you this morning. How many know I haven't started preaching yet? That's the important thing. I'll tell you when you can start counting the seconds of my sermon, okay? Jesus had his calling. And he said, as the Father hath sent me, so have I sent you into the world. Jesus said that two times in the book of John alone. So the very same calling that Jesus received from his Father, ours is a similar calling. Now that doesn't mean that we do the same things that he did exactly. Thank God nobody else has to die on the cross like he did. Nobody could die on the cross like he did, but we have a similar call. He had his calling, you have your calling. That's very important to understand. I want to read something, I just want to mention this. Jesus had a calling that was limited somewhat, your calling is somewhat unlimited. You remember Jesus told the little woman that came to him and begged him to heal her daughter? He ignored her. And she said, he said, Well, healing's the children's bread. She was of another nation, she was a Gentile, a Gentile daughter. She said, Yes, but Lord, even the doggies, the little puppies, eat the crumbs. And and he said this, I am not sent except to the lost tribes of Israel. And when Jesus sent out his twelve, he said, Don't go to the Sumerians. Don't go to the other nations only go to the 12 tribes of lost 12 tribes of Israel but you see he's opened the door after the resurrection and he's his commission is to go into every nation in fact into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature in Acts chapter one and verse 8 we just quoted part of it, he said, go to the ends of the earth. So in, in a sense, our commission, our calling, is much broader and much bigger than what either Jesus or the original 12 had when he sent them out, limited to a very small geographical location and also people group. But most of us here... I don't know how many Jewish brothers and sisters we have here. I don't know who, the, who can claim that they're from the tribe of Benjamin like Paul did, but most of us come from Germany and Norway and Sweden and Ireland and England and places like that. You know, we are considered out, we were considered like outcasts or aliens. but we've been included now, and therefore we have a commission, to live out this daily faith to every nation. Who'd ever thought that living within 60 miles of you, you'd have people from almost every nation of the earth, a lot of people from Vietnam, Cambodia, Mexico, South America, all the eastern countries, the Muslim countries, they're living with just 50. I, I was shocked. I preached a little church down at Hillsdale quite often, very small church. And they have two mosques right there within 50 miles of where I preach. Most people don't even know those mosques are there. Well, there's a mission field right next door to us, and a lot of people don't even pay attention. We will send... You send me $1,000 to go someplace to preach, somebody way over there, someplace, when you drive 50 miles almost in a direction, you've got foreign people living right here next door that need Jesus. Would you agree with that? Yes. Amen. They all need Jesus. So we need to re rehearse this commission that says to go. How far we go depends upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. But anybody can know go next door. I'm amazed as I simply talk to people how many people have never been asked do you know Jesus? I'm shocked, I really am. Now we have neighbors within 200 yards of us, some 300, some a quarter mile and so forth. I have to be honest, I've never knocked on their door. Now, that's not my system of reaching people. But I have neighbors right next door to me. And I quite often am able to minister to them right next door to me. But the commission is... To go and be witnesses. That means to release some of your life. Drop by drop, I like to think of that. Every every day I live, I'm just giving uh, just a little more, and finally one day I will be released. Everything that is in me will be released and left behind, and I will go into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But until then, my purpose is to go, and not just witness, but be. That's what it says, be a witness, right? Right. Be a witness. Live out your test. Some some of the loudest message you can have is to keep your mouth shut. Anybody wish somebody else to keep their mouth shut once in a while? That's hard for preachers to do. But sometimes, your lifestyle, over a long period of time, and <laughs> my wife and I was driving down the highway the other night, the other oh. evening, and out of my peripheral vision, I see a man pulled over by the road, and I see him walking, his hood's up like this, and he's walking around like he's going to get into his car and try to start it again or something. And we got up the road about three or four blocks. and said, did you see who that man was, honey? I said, that looks like somebody we know. Now we were both tired, we wanted to get home, we were really looking forward to getting home. I said, I, we, I can't go home, we've got to turn around and see who this guy is. So we had to go up maybe another mile or so to, to a place we could get off the freeway and turn around and go back in. How many know it's inconvenient? How many, know, how many here like inconvenience? Nobody likes inconvenient. You don't even like to help people when it's inconvenient. And the problem with people, they are so dumb, they get in trouble at inconvenient times. <laughs> right? They never get in trouble when you've got, sitting around wishing, oh, I wish I could help somebody today. No. They, we're all so dumb. We, we, we choose times when it's absolutely inconvenient. Almost impossible to help those people. But we managed to get turned around, had to go clear down, clear back into Duluth and go up the hill again. And oh, and here, in the meantime, my, I had my wife call my son to find out what kind of a vehicle this man drove because it was a tan, an old 70-tan Chevrolet pickup. Not a classic either. And, <laughs> and so, sure enough, said, well, he, this guy, his name is Brad, he, he, he drives a can a, a, a pickup. I thought, oh, that's the key. It must be him. So now I'm getting excited because I'm well, wow, this is an appointment of God now. See, after I got over the inconvenient part of it. So we go up there, and here he says, well, I, I, I get the phone number and I call him. He says, Well, I think I can limp up the hill to a gas station. So he limps up, he he gets it going enough to get up there. And I mean, about ready to blow up 280 degrees heat, you know, below or high or whatever it is. And he's really hot and so. So he said, I said, Well, do you have another vehicle? Can I take you someplace to get another vehicle? He said, Well, would you mind just taking me down here to the part store? He said, I called him, and they've got the part. But I drove him down there, had to wait in line, never never anything works out perfectly. You know, if you're in the will of God, everything should be just, just like that, you know, but that's not the truth. It's going to cost you something to help somebody. So he gets the part, gets up about a block and a half, said, they gave me the wrong part. So we have to go back there, and he, there's three other people in line now waiting. He has to wait for them to get, get the right part. The guy says, oh, I'm sorry. We don't have that part. But he said, I found a, another dealer, another part store down here, and so, so. they they say they got the part. So Brad comes back. His face is red now. He's embarrassed. He's apos- I said, "Don't don't apologize. I said, this is a privilege to us. It's a privilege to us. It's an honor to help you. I meant that part. Because I'm praying all the time, Lord, use me. Of course, I'd like to have him use me to raise something the dead, you know, something like that. You know, something that I can get some attention for. <laughs> Taking somebody to get a part or for something, you know, that don't mean very much. It does to the person that needs it, right. by the way. So we go to this other place. And just some driving up, a guy drives next to me and jumps out of the car. Now, I can't jump out of the car, and he couldn't. Before he gets his door open, these guys, two of the guys, and there's another guy in there, so we have to wait for all three of them to get get finally gets the part, and we take it up there. And about an hour and a half, two hours later, we finally get home. Now the point is, this that's being a witness. See, this young man has gone to the edge of hell. His wife, he discovered his wife was unfaithful. They tried to get, work it out, get back together again. Finally, she divorces him. He's brokenhearted. He's got two little kids. My son's been witnessing to him. He's taken to church. He makes a confession of Christ, but he's going through all kinds of difficulties. And here we come along when he's in trouble, and it's just once again being a witness. See, we need to redefine what preaching is and what living the gospel is. Yes. It's not always saying, hey, you're going to hell if you don't get saved. No, that's not the way you approach people. No. You help people. You show them love of Jesus Christ. That's what being a witness really is. Now, this is, this is something that I wrote last week. The Lord gave it to me. Fulfilling the great commission of Jesus of Mark 16, 14 through 19, requires the operation of the supernatural through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Now, such a mundane thing as taking somebody to a parts store don't sound like something supernatural. But I'll tell you something, we had to connect exactly at the right time. I had to be there at that moment, he had to have the problem at that moment, He had to have somebody that would be willing to take time to help him or he would have been stranded there and added to the frustration that he's been going on through now for three or four years. And so we don't sometimes identify those minor little things as miracles or supernatural working of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is too small for God. We always like to say, nothing is too big for God. But nothing is neither too big or too small for God. Anything that will get your attention and give opportunity, just going to a well and sitting there and waiting till a woman came who was a Samaritan, didn't seem like a big thing, but it changed her life and changed the lives of all of her friends. And so. It requires the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It requires obeying all that Jesus commanded, Matthew 28, 19, including receiving the Holy Spirit and being endued with power from on high, many, many scriptures. The commission has never been changed, never been altered, never been restructured, never been completely fulfilled, never been abandoned. God didn't change his mind and say, well, this this is not working out, so we're going to go to plan number B or C. Never been renounced to exchange for a better or lesser plan. We are living in a critical hour when we must contend for the original faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Jude said these words in verse 3. This includes casting away our chosen ignorance and rather desiring, seeking, pursuing, and claiming spiritual gifts as outlined in God's holy word, as outlined in 1 Corinthians 12 through chapter 14. You see, we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit just to live out This daily faith. We must become spiritually sensitive to the needs of people and be able to address those spiritual needs. Parts of my family are trained in the world of medicine nurses, surgical nurses, aides, and so forth. They are trained. My son works in emergency in a hospital. He has to be trained to address an immediate need without stopping to pray about it. You see, it's not time to pray when somebody in desperate need. It's time to give a solution. It's time to meet that need. It's time to reach out to them. God has placed in your hands, our hands, gifts and ministries and abilities that The world has the right to call on and demand them to be exercised at any moment wherever you're at. That's an amazing thing. We have to be, excuse me, spiritual experts. We can't say, well, let me go home and pray about it for three months. Let me go home and search the Bible and see if I can find out, you know, the right thing. No, they need help whenever there is a crisis in their life. Well, where are they going to get help? Well, call on God. You're the only Jesus a lot of people's going to know in this world. Where does he live? Well, I can tell you, he lives upstairs someplace. No, he lives in us. How many believe that Christ is in you? Do you really believe that Christ is in you? Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Do you really believe that God said, I will come into you, I'll be your God, you'll be my children, I'm going to walk up and down you. I'm going to flow through you, I'm going to take up my residence, you're going to become my address on the earth. If we really believe what the Bible tells us, then we have a divine responsibility. It's not all going to take, thank God for church meetings. Thank God for Sunday services. But folks, it's not all going to take place here or up here on this platform. Somebody runs up from the audience, gives a prophecy, goes back down. Somebody else says, bring somebody up and pray for them. It's not all going to happen right here. It's wonderful when we come together and we edify one another, we strengthen one another, we stimulate one another, we can. We, we we encourage one another. We hug on each other. We affirm one another. We absolutely must have that. Every person should be in the house of God, every opportunity they possibly can to be encouraged, stimulated, strengthened together. But I want to tell you where the church is really in operation. It's out there. Everywhere. Everywhere. We are conditioned by television to think that the celebrities and the professional ministers are going to have TV cameras on them confirming everything that happens. You can see people come up there and the man of God or the woman of God lays their hands and we stand by, I wish I had hands like that. You look into my fingernails, there's dirt under there probably. Look at yours. All of us. Carry our humanity with us. I don't care if you're in a TV evangelist or what you are. You see, Jesus, it's called the incarnation. He become like us. He become like us. And so we also, in our incarnation, have to identify with other people. And wherever Jesus went, something always happened supernaturally. You see, every one of us carry a shadow, not just Peter. I remember remember the story in the book of Acts the activity of the Holy Spirit when the Bible says that people from all the surrounding communities brought people, brought the sick, and laid him in the streets. I mean, there were so many sick people. They, they, couldn't find, they couldn't find the TV cameraman. They couldn't find the historian. They just laid him out in the streets. And there was a man by the name of Peter that was supposed to come up, and, and he couldn't get to everybody. But the Bible says they just laid him in the shadow of Peter. Whether you know it or not, you can't hide your identity, if you're real. Now, if I'm a hypocrite, I can play act. But if I'm real, they're just absolute... I've actually walked into a place where guys are cussing and swearing and telling dirty stories and all at once, for some reason, they looked around like this and they shut up. They became very uncomfortable. I'm not glorifying myself, I'm just saying, there's something in every one of you, there's an essence. There's an odor. How many know you carry an odor? And you don't want to hide it, cover it up. You carry an odor, you carry an aura. The pres- It's called the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when you walk into, into darkness, what happens? Oh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. No, it's not a little light. I'll tell you, if it's gross darkness in there, and all you've got is a little candle, that thing is going to produce an amazing amount of light. The darker the place is, the brighter it's going to shine. How I many know? Okay, you can start counting. I'm starting to preach now. Okay, turn to, to the book of, uh, where am I going? Oh, Galatians, for a moment. And, David, you're going to tell me when it's time to quit, okay? That's your responsibility. Okay, Galatians chapter 3. Quit. Paul, Harvey, show up. (laughs) We want the rest of the story. Galatians chapter 3. Now, I'm going to be more dignified than Paul was. I'm not going to... He says, oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, you people in Ellsworth... The surrounding areas. Who has bewitched you? Wow. That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. I cannot possibly overemphasize the power of just saying Christ was crucified. I mean, that completed everything. That completed everything. No more ceremonies, no more rituals, no more lambs slain, no more goats offered, no more burnt sacrifices. I mean, everything was complete by that word crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law? What did you invest to receive the Holy Spirit? What did it cost you? What possibly, what act of works could you have done to merit the ability or being qualified to receive the Holy Spirit? Nothing. No works. That's what he's saying. Did you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? One day you heard the gospel, you believed it, you were declared justified, you were declared righteous, now you're a child of God, a son of God, now Christ began to invade your life, you're a new creature by Christ Jesus, all things have passed away, all things have become new. He says, are you so foolish, having begun this way, in the spirit? And now, you're being made perfect. You've gone back to the meagerly, beggarly elements of the law. The old traditions, the old ways. Now, we're not talking about the Ten Commandments. When people say, we're not under law, how many know where the Ten Commandments are written now? Do you carry around a big stone? piece of stone with you or have them written on your, no, they're in your heart. They're written in your heart. They're inscribed in your heart. But we're talking about the ceremonial, the, tra- the traditional ceremonial law. There's a difference between the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law. The nations still need the civil law. That's what's wrong in our nation. They threw out the Ten Commandments that all the laws of God upon which the original judiciary law of this nation was built right around the Bible. Now they've cast all that out. That's all nonsense. So we have no law. It's okay to kill somebody if you want to, if you feel like it. Black, white, whatever it is. It's, it's okay to race, to, to hate people of other distinctions. I don't use the word race very much anymore because I've discovered there's only one race. It's a human race. Some of that human race are black, some are yellow, some are white, some are mixed, and so forth. There's only one race of people, and every human being came from one of three sources Shem, Hamath, and Japheth, the sons of Noah. So all this racial business that these people keep stirred up all the time, oh, you're black, you're white, all the no, we're one race. And in Jesus Christ, we're all one family if we're Christians. So it says this. Now listen. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit. He who supplies. Who's that? The Holy Spirit supplies. See, all these miracles... Now, listen. let's read verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. These people, miracles were working among them. Supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit was common among them all the time. And he asked this question. Where did you get the supply for these miracles? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? No, it didn't come from the law. It came by the hearing of faith, but there was a supplier. Now, Gordy Riesgraf, he's, he's a contractor, maybe others here. I mean, Rose doesn't have a special bedroom in which he goes to get all the supplies to do his contracting business. He has to have an outside supplier. This out supplier has unlimited resources, all sizes, dimensions of lumber, plumbing supplies, electric supplies, concrete, everything that's needed. There is a supplier that supplies everything, and he takes it, he puts it together, and uses it to build something that's livable. So who is the source of supply for the miracles, the things I've been describing, Living out our faith every day. The Holy Spirit is the supplier. And listen to what it means. The, the Greek word is epitokarogo. A, a Greek person probably never understand how I pronounce that. It means to defray the expenses of a chorus or a chorale or a huge choir. A traveling entourage, putting on putting on corals and and theaters. Think of all the different people and, and all the materials and, uh, and 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 all the supplies that a, a great group like this would need uh, to produce a production. That's what it's talking about. The word means to supply fully or abundantly, generously. What is needed? needed to cover the cost completely. I used to struggle. Um, I need to give a prophetic word to somebody. Somehow I've got to create this thing. Oh, this person here needs a miracle. What can I do to muster up enough faith to to produce this miracle? Go to the hospital, try to figure out ahead of time. What am I going to do when I get? Listen, the Holy Spirit is the supplier. You're not required to produce anything on your own. The Holy Spirit resides in you not just to be your comforter for your little owies, but he is there to demonstrate himself through you. He supplies. Amen. If you need a two-by-four, he's got it. Some people taking two-by-four. Some people need a two-by-six. Some need a two-by-12. Amen? Whatever is needed, he supplies it in our lives. So today, we want to ask him if we can claim full payment, which belongs to us freely, to produce the works of Jesus. You see, when we talk about but Jesus said, he that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these do. Boy, we get the big head. We can see ourselves preaching to 50, 60,000 people, miracles, are headlines in the newspaper. Yeah, headline headlines, David, what's your last name? You don't know, so we're not going to print it. I mean, this David, I mean, he's doing miracles all over. No, this is not to edify or glorify ourselves. You don't change. You're a farmer, you milk cows. Milk cows. That's the way I started out as a boy. Milking my cows, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. You don't change who you are. You You don't have to get some piece of paper now to declare, oh, I'm a miracle worker. All you need to know that you're tapped into the source, the supply unlimited supply. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, somebody, please, somebody smile at me at least. It's the truth. Your life began by a spiritual birth. There's not a person here that's ever born again, but making a decision, okay, from this day, no more cussing, no more swearing, no more chewing, No more drinking, no more fornication, no more adultery, no more, no more, no, no more thief, no more lying. No, you didn't start that way. You started a desperate, hopeless sinner with no hope. Now, no hope for the future. Couldn't help yourself. Destitute of spirituality. And one day the Holy Spirit somehow visits you and you were born again by the spirit that's what jesus said except a man be born of the spirit of the spirit not of the flesh but of the spirit and so your spiritual life started out in a miraculous way and now like these galatians now they want to maintain now they want to maintain their life in the old way okay i've got things under control now I I got you just try to control that temper by yourself the time you and your wife she's on top of you beating on you she says I'm going to teach you how to control your life, your temper no can't do it on your own there's a supply of the spirit we maintain the same way We were born into this thing by the supply of the Spirit. I want to challenge you this morning to turn your dependence on the Holy Spirit. All churches that I know are praying for revival. They're desperately seeking for times of refreshing. They're seeking to tap into something more than they have. The truth is, it's available to us. It's available to us. How can we get what we need? It sounds too simple. sounds too simple. Let's turn to Luke 11. Luke chapter 11. A long chapter Beginning verse nine. Verse nine. If I send to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone, that's you, who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Whose words are these? my Bible, the red letter. So he said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Some people say, oh, I'm so afraid if I asked, I'll get the wrong thing. Oh, maybe the devil step in and I'll get, I'll get some evil spirit. Nonsense! When you're in a one-way conversation with Jesus, the channels are open, heaven is open. Don't be afraid of the devil being there. He's very uncomfortable when you're in a relationship with Jesus. He really don't hang around. He wants to get you alone. If you then being evil, verse 13, or carnal or natural, no. How to give good gifts to your children? How much more? How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I am absolutely amazed at what happens. In the places I go, when I feel empty, sometimes when I feel the most empty, the Holy Spirit shows up and miracles take place. I'm serious. People get healed. Unclean spirits go out of people. I'm shocked. And you used me. Well, sometimes God's desperate. He has to. You somebody that's like me to intervene for him. Stand the gap. God's always searching for somebody just like you. Just like everyone. He's always looking for somebody just exactly like you. Weak little old you. And the weaker you are, the more the power of God can show up in your life. The more you recognize, I can't do it on my own, the more grace is going to be given to you. This unlimited supply of grace, love, mercy, and power, He supplies the Spirit to meet the need where the demand is the most powerful. I want you to just stand with me this morning. You didn't even have to remind me, David. <laughs> I, want, I really want to know, I'm, I'm here as an ambassador for the Lord. I'm a recruiter. I'm a recruiter for God's army, which is made up of mighty, valiant men and women and angels. Don't forget that. God's army always includes angels. So you may be walk, fighting alongside an angel and you don't even know who they are. But I'm a recruiter this morning. I'm, I'm really looking for people that are really desperate for God. And you're saying, Brother Tucker, I want, I want to tap into that supply of the Spirit. I want to live out my day, daily life, drop by drop by drop. I want to give all my life's blood. But I want to be extended. I don't want to be, end up like Paul did before Nero, maybe 60 years old. See, I'm 80 years old. I've been given drops here and there for many, many years. But if that's you, that's you. I'm appealing to you. Just surrender to the Lord. Give your life to Jesus. Commit yourself to him. I guarantee he'll work through you. I promise you, you're going to have opportunities to be used of God like you never had before. You're not, not going to have to call for the prayer tower someplace else. The prayer tower is right here, right here amongst this body. In the early church, when Peter and John were threatened, they said, don't you dare ever preach or speak again in the name of Jesus. That's quite a statement. We're going to get even with you if you do. And So they went and told their own company. You're the old company. They went and told their old company. And the Bible says, when they heard this. Now what should be our response when we hear about all the things that's happening now in the world? Our religious liberty is taken away here in this country. What should our response be? Well, we're going to sign the. We're going to agree together. We're going to, Bible Center Church is going to march from here to New York. And we're going to carry big placards. And we're really going to make an, an impact, you know. We're going to make our voice known. Is that what they did? No. The Bible said they, with one accord, lifted their voice to heaven. You've got to be together for one thing, You've got to be in unity. We've got to pray together. See, these things should move us to prayer in our homes, in our businesses, in our daily walk, in our churches. When we hear these kind of reports, when they heard this, they with one accord lifted their voice to heaven and cried out what? Lord, stretch forth your hand. Somebody wants to see that happen in your community. Yeah. If anyone wants prayer this morning, if you would just want to come and spend a few time, moments around this altar, you're welcome to do so. I'll be here. But I'm going to pray for you, Father. I want to lift my hand, maybe you do. My right hand, my hand of pledging. I'm going to pledge to you. Heavenly Father, maybe you want to do that, raise your right hand. And I pledge to you, Father, I want to be one of those people that you're going to pour in a supply of the Spirit into my life. I want to be one of those people that's on call at any moment. I want to be one of those people that you can depend upon that whenever the Spirit of the Lord begins to deal with me to move, to stop, to go this direction, to go to that person, to to be here in the right place at the right time. We will be patient because I want to be used of God. Father, I lift my hand and pledge and say, I'm a candidate right now. I pray that you'll fill these people, fill these people with the knowledge of the supply of the Spirit, Lord. There is a resource available to go through that divorce, to go through that heartbreak, to go through that loss of a loved one, to go through every suffering, every trial, every situation, to overcome that addiction in my life, to overcome the works of the flesh. There is a supply of the Spirit that designed for everything the devil wants to bring our way or everything that the flesh of a fallen man can produce. Bring a release right now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.